Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot, save, rebound, SCORE! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings! And royalty reigns again in the NHL! All right, all right, all right, everybody. This is the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. I am Randon McMahon. You can find me at Rando Commando. Today's guest is Joey Paterino. What's going on, Joe? Randon, how are we doing? I'm doing great tonight. How's things? It's going great, man. Uh, just a little uh, late here on uh, what Central Time, and you're on the East Coast. So we're doing a little late night pod. That's right. What better time to talk about the rain? Why not? I know. I feel like I need a scotch and a cigar over here. You know, like that's what, uh, that's what we feel going on. Uh, just so you guys know, you can find uh, this podcast at, uh, at royalty underscore pod or our, uh, our network at, at hockey underscore royalty. Joe, where can they find you on Twitter? That is at JW Petterino. That's good, my man. So now that we got all the pleasantries out of, uh, out of the way and we're getting right into it. This is, we're talking about the rain today, guys. So, you know, a lot of content that came out about the Kings in the offseason with Philip Deneau and, and all that. But, you know, we don't want to leave the, the AHL conglomerate there undetected. You know, you don't want to leave them in the corner with their own drink. We want to invite them over and talk about them a little bit. 
So, you know, uh, speaking about bringing him over, I mean, there was a lot of hype coming up in this season. I thought from a lot of the Reigns fans on Twitter and everything like that, you know, the cavalcade of prospects that they're coming. I think we had eight new ones playing their first year of pro hockey into the lineup. So like, what was your excitement level? Like, where were you feeling, you know, coming into this rain season? So it's, it's like you said, there's so many first year guys coming in and it's so exciting because you've seen all these articles and, and people across hockey talking about how, you know, this, this King system has just become one of the best in hockey with the likes of obviously Byfield most recently, but Kaliev and he had, he's coming off a pretty good world juniors. You had Alex Turcott, Fagamo, Kupari, Tyler Madden, Akil Thomas scores the game winner for Canada in the world junior. So it's, there's all these prospects and it's like, they've all come together here at once. And because of COVID guys like Byfield and certain other guys that maybe not had the chance to play in the American hockey league before are getting a chance to play full time. So it was, yeah, hype is a great word. It was so exciting to get in. And not to mention the first, uh, the head coach, John Robleski, uh, coming off the, the national development development team program. So he's used to working with kids and developing kids. And it's just seemed like the perfect fit at the perfect time for the Ontario Reign. Yeah, I was, uh, if it, my exact face was like that Jack Nicholas gif of him just like staring into the yes. distance and like bobbing his yeah. head. Like that's a, with a maniacal grin. Like that's how I felt. And you know, it was just like going into the summertime, you know, especially with COVID, it was just like, okay, the, the draft finally, the draft is finally happening, you know, and um, it was just, you know, we're sitting there and going down the lottery and boom, our, our card does not get flipped over. Like, oh, we, yeah. got, we got the lottery? All right, like, where are we drafting now? Like, okay, this is kind of interesting, you know, yeah, and then yeah. we're waiting on the last one. Are we going to get number one? Are we going to get Lafreniere or whatever? And And it flips it over and it was like the team to be determined. I was like, you know, you kind of had that little down, like downshift of your shoulders. Like, oh man, but then you're like, oh, we're getting Byfield or Stutzel. Like that's exactly. going to be exactly. great. And then we spent the whole summer, like trying to court one of these people. It was like summer camp. You know, you're trying to find the the girl that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And it was just the debate back and forth for a couple of months. Did you have a preference? Uh, Byfield. Yeah. I thought like, like if you wanted, for me, it was like, the, there was a lot of impatient Kings fans, like, me include me included some somewhat because that have never been through a rebuild or or really doesn't know what that's you know about and like Stutzel would have sold tickets if there was fans and like he would have sold jerseys right away because he would have made the roster so like I understand like from that point of view but as you found out this year like you have wingers like Tarasenko and guys that come available all the time like when's the last time a six five foot center that came available that was a first liner like hardly ever like you know, you just take, yeah, the, you that, take the swing on upside. That's a different differentiator for me too. Is and we've seen it in Los Angeles. Been blessed to watch Andre Kopitar for so long. There, these guys, these big centermen who can skate like the wind, you, you just don't come across them too often. And that's not a knock on Stutzel by any means. Like the kid's a freak talent, and he's going to be a great player in the NHL. But to have a guy that can legitimately just dominate games at both ends of the ice, down the middle of the ice, like Byfield, we hope will do. Uh, it was, it was, and obviously for the Kings too, and, and, and Mark United's talked about it, how it just, it's, they just couldn't pass that up. So, you know, I wonder if talking like, cause you speak, you, you listen to Unetti and like they said, like back when Dowdy got drafted, like they were going to pick Dowdy, whether they got one or two, you know, obviously, you know, Lafreniere was the clear number one for almost everybody, but I wonder if they would have went by field if they were number one, just because, yeah. because yeah. of the way they talk about him, like he's just a unicorn with his yep. height yep. and speed and everything like that. And they could be like, oh, well, like we could find a winger in free agency, but like 
if this guy hits his potential, you're not going to ever find that guy, you know, like this goes back to the old Dean Lombardi days of, you know, building through the middle, right. Build through the, the down, the, down your core goalie at that one D and then your one C and, and that's where you build it through. So you can get a, a guy like Byfield, especially listen, you know, as much as we love Kopitar, he's mid thirties at this point. So he's going to need a successor. And I know we had Turk on a number of centers already, Velarde in the system, but you see a guy of byfield size and, and skating ability, you, you have to go in that route. Yeah, I just I just think and I, I think it's kind of like, you know, uh how they, as they say, first world problems with with having yeah, you know, all these centers in our prospect pool, but you know, not like what twenty percent of people drafted in the second round like play over ninety games and like thirty-seven percent in the first round play over ninety games. Like it's it's still hard to make the league no matter where you're at. And then the, the, your relatively of how you're going to be good. Like I'd rather have too many centers and have them go to wing. Cause as you saw this year with Velarde, like his presence in the dot was subpar. Like, and then, so that could weed some people out on whether they're going to go wing, you know, it just, it was just kind of ecstatic. Like I just thought, like, okay, if Byfield hits, you're talking about a unicorn for 15 years on your team. Like, yep. and like, why not? Take a shot at that? You hope he's yeah. the next, Andre you know? So, I mean, I, I, I agree with you there, you know, uh, so, you know, with all that excitement coming in, a uh, little bit of a slow start for the rain, you know, <laughs> you could say uh, that. for, for lack of a better term, it was, you know, you, we put the car in reverse thinking we were going to go forward and it was just, it was just apparent that, you know, it, that this was just a different game, you know, and, and you had the upside of, uh, or not the upside, but you had like the U S winning the gold medal, Cali up Turk playing well in that tournament. You know, like, yep. okay, like they're cruising in Byfield had a decent tournament. We're like, okay, great. We want to see him. Like uh, a year ago, Samuel Fagamo was the MVP, 13 points in eight games. Like all these guys coming in, Tyler Madden was leading the Hobie Baker till he injured his finger. Like all these things, like you mentioned, and then just the, the plop. And it was like, man, like there was two things for me. It was like, man, like, okay, did I miscalculate how hard the AHL is? And two, there was kind of a prospect envy type thing, you know, and I, I know my brothers felt it and a lot of fans felt it because you instantly want to compare prospects, even though they're 19 years old. But like you see Zagers doing well, Drysdale, who was just drafted that well the year playing first line minutes. And then you have like Seth Jarvis, he was drafted 17th in that draft and he was leading the league in points. So it was just like for me, I was like, OK, am I missing something here or is it going on? Like yeah. I don't know how you felt. It's tough. It's tough. So I grew up and I'm, uh, we've talked like I, I'm from Rochester, New York. We got the AHL team, Rochester Americans here. And so growing up, they won the Calder Cup in the mid nineties. And at the time, everybody knew who the players were. They spent years in the same AHL city. It's a different game now. It is strictly development. That's not to say that the folks in Ontario, that they don't want to win. Obviously that winning is, is still very, very important, but it is a developmental league. So yeah, when you lose what 12 of your first 13 or something like that, you get a little like, oh boy, first year coach, you got all these rookies and it ain't going well. But when you take a step back and say, okay, it's a developmental league. The results, while they matter, they don't matter as much as the development. They have a coach in place who is dealt with these young kids from the development program. You've got a number of first year guys. They were one of the younger teams in the AHL. So it's, you know, you hope maybe for a little bit of early success, but at the end of the day, it was about the development of the players. And, and, you know, in some, maybe it's way easier to say this hindsight 2020, but some weird way, maybe it was kind of a good thing. They get, they got kind of punched in the face early in the season and you see how they respond to it. And I thought overall, once after that first, you know, 13, 15 games or whatever it was, uh, they had a really good rest of the season overall. So 
I think it was good to see the young guys, how they responded to, to that type of adversity and, and how they grew their game because yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't good to start the season, but there was as much as people probably wanted to panic. Um, they have, you have to understand like it's a developmental league. So while the results matter, it, it's, it's much more important that these guys are getting their ice time, getting their reps. And, and that's, that's the key. And that was happening. Yeah. It was just, you know, like, like you said, one of the youngest teams in the league, I think, I, I don't remember. I did a lot of the looking back on it, but I think we had more rookie players and it was by like two or three over any team that was playing in the AHL you know, first yeah. year pros. So, yeah. you know, the team ended up, ended up going out of 40 games, went 17, 19 and four, uh, you know, for 38 points, finished sixth in uh, the division. But, you know, there was some good hot streaks there. You had, I th- and I think really when it turned around and for me was when they sent Leas Anderson down to get some work. And, yeah. you know, he went, uh, he went down there in 15 games, you know, had six goals, 11 assists, so almost a point per game. And he's got that sandpaper to his game that I really like. Like for a skilled player, I thought – I thought he did a great job this offseason, according to him, like learning to get to the NFL. Like, what do I need to do there? Like, I can't just rely on my skill. Like, I'm going to have to, like, I can't show off my skill if I don't get minutes. So how am I going to get minutes? Like, doing more of this stuff to his game and, like, highlighting those areas. And when you have so many upper draft picks that rely solely on skill, like, you, you know, all shooters or all passers or they're yep. used to being the number one guys on their team, you know, like, you need was. that. Which Anderson was, he was a high pick too before, you know, it didn't work out in New York. So he comes over and he's going to be an interesting guy to see where he fits even this season. Um, but you're right. When he came down to the HL, he's one of those guys where I think, you know, for me, as, when you go up in levels, it's how quickly it's obviously the, everything's a little bit faster and, and every maybe shots are a bit harder, whatever it is, but you have to make your decisions that much faster. So he may be a first line player, you know, in junior or coming through, it's why he was drafted. But if you can't process those and make those decisions at full speed, uh, at lightning quick in your brain, then it's not going to translate the same way. So you have to adapt your game. Like you said, you're going to need to, if that's not going to work, you're going to need to kind of shift it. So when he came down to Ontario and you you, you rattled it off, he did did a very good job and he had, he had solid numbers. So I think that that probably helped his game. And I'll be interested to see where he kind of fits in this year with the big club because is he that first line top two top two line winger I don't know but did he adjust his game enough to say okay I'm gonna I have to carve out a role here in this league and what is that going to be but you know what him coming down and changing that and maybe learning that a little bit on the fly that's got to help the other guys in that room as well Uh, that see they've got a guy this is a former uh, first round pick who you know he's trying to find his way so it's, it's, it was just, it kind of all was like one big, what came all full circle for some of those guys where you've seen a guy who he's going through some struggles in, in his own right in, in the early part of his career. Uh, and I think it was, it was good for the rain that the way he came down and played. You know, and I never, I never really thought of it until you, uh, just now, but I wonder how much uh, playing with Muvrare really helped his psyche. And a lot of guys had trouble with the mental game with COVID that year, you know, like, not being able to see friends and family and everything like that. And they're boys. I mean, they sure. hang out and they hang out in Sweden yeah. during the summertime yeah. all the time. So maybe going down he and played. hanging out with him for a little bit, you know, cleared up his mind and he was able to put some numbers together. There's I, stuff that you just never know. So that's, that's very possible. Yeah. So, I mean, the, 
the team didn't really fare very well. And like where I think the biggest thing for me that I thought the team would do would be to light up the, the light up the lamp. And like they were 14.4% from the, uh, the power play, yeah. you know, third worst in the whole AHL with all those first and second round picks. Yeah. I thought that would be for sure. And, and, you know, I wonder, like we said, new roles with Leas, you wonder if like, okay, I'm going to have to figure out where I belong in this, in this realm of all these prospects. I might have to play a position that I'm not used to on the power play or utilize yep. my skills differently to, to help the team mature, you know, like, and on top of that, and on top of that, you had guys that were, we, we you, you mentioned earlier, just how deep the Kings organization is with centers. So now you've got some guys who have played center their whole lives and you get them into, you know, and some of these are first year pros. So at the highest level of their careers and saying, you know what, you're going to play a different position now. You're going to play the wing because we have enough centers. That's an adjustment. You know, it's an easier adjustment if you're a center going to a wing. And Rob Blake said this the other day. Uh, it's much more common to see a center go to wing than vice versa. But still, it's an adjustment. And you have to make that at the pro level. So there was a lot of, of kind of a learning curve going on, I think, uh, across the roster. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think the whole roster had some some growing pains, obviously. And, you know, we'll start with the forwards here. Uh, you know, disappointing start for, for a lot of guys, um, you know, or maybe like, cause maybe just the adjustment period itself. I thought the biggest disappointment and it really wasn't even because of his play was because with Tyler Madden. So, you know, like I said, uh, you know, hobby Baker finalist, yep. uh, in college breaks his finger, loses the chance at getting that award when he was, he was first among forwards or scorers period at that time comes in and then just takes this massive hit in the center of the ice. I thought he was concussed. I don't know. I didn't research if he did get a concussion, but ended up breaking, uh, breaking a bone. Um, I think it was the clavicle um, somewhere in his, you know, shoulder area and was pretty much out the whole season. So like, that's just kind of tough. I think like when, especially like you said, like all these guys are trying to adjust to a new level. And then you're like, you finally get healthy and you get injured again, finally get healthy and you get injured again. And like, I feel like sometimes like soft tissue injuries, like, you know, like hamstrings and that kind of stuff, or, you know, that kind of thing is, you know, can be worked on, but like you get hit in a wrong way and you just break your bone. Like yeah. that's just kind of a tough, tough gig or tough pill to swallow. So for him, I thought he kind of brought something different to the forward group. Like his, his biggest asset, in my opinion, watching his college film was his creativity. And like, not saying that other players weren't creative, but like seeing, you know, the way that Zagris looks at the ice and how much, mismatches he creates i thought that they could have brought that to a line like with a kaliev who's good at finding the open ice and so with him on the power play too finding those seams i thought it really could have helped them and just like to see him like take those hits and really didn't really get back until the final three games and three games isn't enough to get your legs underneath you so yeah yeah it just really sucked for him in his first pro year and like you know he's probably heard it his whole life you know he's, you know, buck 50 soaking wet and all this kind of stuff like that. Like for him to prove himself, you know, as a smaller forward in the league, I just, I felt kind of bad for the guy, especially since I thought he could have really helped the, t- the forward group. Yeah. And I want to see where he fits. I mean, cause he's another guy that could end up, you know, and now we're talking about how he just had his, uh, uh, a year where he's coming off injury. Well, this could be a year where I, he might be one of the guys that that's going to exclusively be on the wing so we have to see where he fits in so it could be another kind of a uh, a trying year for him but we'll see I think he you know his dad was in the league so he's got 
Um, he's kind of got that background. So I, I don't suspect stuff like that's going to be much of a problem for, for, uh, for him. So uh, that'll be interesting to see though. Yeah, I know. Injury sucks. And, 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 you know, speaking of another guy that got injured or has been dealing with injuries for a while, I know your guy that's for disappointment is, has been Alex Turcott is, you know, yeah, he had to deal yeah, with a listen, lot of those. Yeah. And, and again, similar to you, it's not, that's not a knock on, on the player necessarily. It was just tough. It was disappointing for me as, as a fan, not getting a chance to, to see a full healthy season. Cause if we remember, you know, the talk of the town right now has been byfield for rightfully so, but let's not forget it wasn't long ago. Turcott was the guy. He was the next guy in the system. He yeah. was a, a fifth really overall pick. Fifth overall no, pick. No slouch. Yeah. So, so this was the guy that was projected to be, you know, kind of that up and coming top centerman. And really it took the Kings winning a lottery to even to, to, to dethrone him of that, if you think about it. So, you know, and, and I thought he had a fine overall, his, his first, his first year pro, but just disappointed in the sense that you, you want him to, to you want if, if that guy was your top five pick at one year just a couple of years ago you want him to start to perform like that and that's not to say he won't I think he absolutely can but it was just a tough year for him physically from an injury standpoint he missed some time at the end of the year also so it just hopefully for him moving forward we got a bit of a clean slate for him yeah and you know, like you look at so like when in his draft year missed some injuries was still yep. two points per game player and he yep. probably could have went higher not that five is not high but you know, he probably could have went higher in the in the draft if he played the full season because he there probably would have had numbers. Early that he was. Yeah. yeah, he probably could have got close to Jack Hughes type numbers. And, you know, then maybe he's pushing for two overall or three overall there. But then you go to college of Wisconsin. You know, I followed Wisconsin on Instagram just so I could see how his season was going. And he had some like, you know, middle body injuries. He got sick. Uh, you know, so he's out a couple games there. And then you know, hurt himself in the world championships, even though he played through it, the injury to get yep. the gold medal. Uh, and as you're talking about playoff hockey versus regular season yeah. hockey. So like he pushed through it, but then he came to the rain and like realized like, Hey, I'm not really healthy here. It's not important for me to play the first couple of games if I'm not hundred percent healthy. Yeah. And yeah. so as fans, you're like, okay, well, man, this guy's always already injured. Velarde's always already injured. Like, can we pick yep. a top, can we pick a top 10 guy that's on the ice and like that like goes in the, the back of the mind of fans. But what, what a lot of people don't realize if you don't follow the rain is amongst all of our prospects, he was third in points per game. Yeah. So he, in a, in a 32 game, six goals, 15 assists for 21 points, yep. uh, you know, and only a minus two. And so with a team that gave up a lot of goals, he didn't, re he didn't really give up a lot uh, when his team was on the ice. Well, what I was going to say, and I'm glad you mentioned the, the points per game, because despite the injuries and despite his first year pro, we talked a little bit too about guys switching to wing. He was asked to play a different position, asked to play the wing, which I think is his position in the organization personally. Uh, I'd like to see him get a shot there in camp exclusively on the wing. That's, again, it's my opinion, but he really did, despite the injuries, you know, uh, so the disappointment was more from my end, I suppose, as a fan, but he had a, he had a pretty good season overall, the, the, you know, 0.65 points per game. Uh, so he, he definitely, when he was on the ice was able to put some points up. So I would be curious to see what their plan is for him this year, because I think he should be a winger. Um, I suspect that you don't bring in, Phil Deneau and then you plan on still having the likes of you know Velarde, Turka, Kupari all stay centermen I don't see that 
because obviously Byfield's there too. So I, I'm just, I, I think this will be an interesting year for Turcotte. Uh, I think that, again, I think he's a winner and that's where I want to see him, see him play. You know, and I don't know if this is like a philosophy for the rain, but what I notice is that sometimes they pair two centers on the same line, one right-handed, one left-handed. So that way they could take face-offs on their, on their dominant side. And I don't know if that's a strategy for them or if it just to alleviate like le- the learning coaches, curve. I mean, I know a lot of coaches, especially depends on the face-off. If it's uh, a big face-off, it's a D zone face-off. If it's maybe late in a period, um, you'll see that happen where just, you know what, a lot of times it's just in case the center gets kicked out this way, they got another centerman on the ice who's comfortable taking draws too. Uh, so sometimes you'll see that too. So, uh, but yeah, interested to see where they, where, what route they take with Turcotte among other guys, but Turcotte, especially just given fifth overall pick, this is it, now you've mentioned some other guys that were drafted kind of around his area who are having may, maybe a little bit more success, you could say. So, um, you know, I don't not to put tons more pressure on the kid, but it's a big year for him. Yeah, I, I think a lot of fans though need to like, you know, kind of pump the brakes and, and everybody's development curve is a little bit different. And, you know, you're not going to get guys that, uh, you know, come in the league right away. And I think, I don't remember the exact number, but it was like, I think there was only 20 skaters last year under the age of, under the age of 20 playing in the entire league. So it's like, he's still young and he's still yeah, working yeah. on it. And yes. every year that he's played yeah. so far, he's had to stop and go. So like, yep. you know, maybe the fact that if he sticks on the wing and I think an interesting pairing and I'm on, I'm on the belief, you know, we can get into camp stuff at another time, but I'm, I'm pretty much under the belief that the best player should play. I don't really care about contract status. We're supposed to have a full season. His ELC is already blown. We can't slide his anymore. So like if he's, if he's good enough to make the team, he should make the team. Like I don't really care about Austin Wagner or, or who any of those guys, if they have to go through waivers because we're putting the best team on the ice, it is, that's my belief, but Agreed. I think it'd be, I think it'd be interesting to have Byfield and then have another rookie on the side and then have maybe a veteran that come down. Uh, you know, I know Brownie was our leading scorer last year, but could you imagine them Byfield Brown and like a Turcotte, like having a veteran and then having two guys down there? Like, it'd be interesting to see something like that work. It's way it through. would. And, and again, this is probably a conversation for a different day. I know he's coming off a great season and Brown's been, you know, just a, a legacy king of it huge fan a huge fan of his but i if i'm being honest i don't think he's a top six winger anymore uh on a, on a playoff team in the nhl um that's just so i would prefer him on the third line and you know if byfield makes the team you know that could be an interesting guy to have with him yeah so uh i was most impressed you know bring it back to the rain i was most impressed by calia and like i know like he was a one-trick pony uh for most people in his draft year like he, he's sluggish and all that kind of stuff he doesn't put effort in but like after watching the world juniors and then watching like the rain, I was really impressed. Like he seemed like to work a ton on his skating, a ton on his defensive awareness. Like you, he knows he's not the most quick on the first step. Yeah. So like, like in defense, as you know, like, and you can speak on it more as like closing gaps is just as important as like your first step and like knowing distance and how to do that. And it seemed like he worked on that quite a bit. You know, we all know that he can light the lamp. We all know that he could probably put it in a coffee cup, but Watching the World Juniors and watching the rain, like his playmaking ability was way better than I thought. You know, he had he had 14 goals and 17 assists for 31 points. Uh, he was first among all um, prospects at 0.78 points per game. So, like, you know, really, really like doing a great job at, at facilitating as well as as doing his job at, at lighting the lamp. 
So, you know, I really enjoyed that. Obviously, you see his PIMs are at, at 24 minutes. So he's one of the higher in the league, which probably comes from, you know, getting caught out of position with his skating. But he's been working on it to where he's not a liability, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he it was funny. I, I was I was impressed with how efficient he was in the World Juniors. There were times where he would play on the fourth line, but the second there was a penalty, he's on the power play and he would score. I mean, he the biggest thing for me is, okay, yes, he's a one-trick pony, but is that trick still – is it still happening? And, yes, he he can see is still putting the puck in the net. And, shoot, he gets, gets up in Los Angeles, he puts the puck in the net. So, you know, he doesn't have to light the world on fire with his skating, and let's be honest, he doesn't. But if he, if he has a hockey brain and he can think the game – uh, that's going to be huge just so he can get himself into spaces. And I, I, I liken him to a player out here in Western New York, uh, uh, Olofsson, out, Victor Olofsson out in Buffalo. Absolute laser of a shot. Not the smoothest skater, but you know what? He was one of the best power play producers in the NHL the last couple of years. And Kaliev can be a guy very similar to that. His skating has to be just good enough. You know, and I think – his shot is that good to where he doesn't have to be an elite skater, even a great skater. You know, and I, and I look at it, uh, you know, we're going to have to know, you know, for the next six years and, you know, he's really good at the uh, you know, top, you know, top in the league in those first primary assists. Yeah. Yeah. was the kind of guy that can find the open ice. And then you pair Kaliev with a defensive minded center you know, it might be something like that. Like, I don't think you want to like yeah. double dip and have in a center that's only offense and then him. Cause then you're, you know, you're, you know, you're having that kind of thing, but it could be, it could be kind of a thing where like, you know what you're getting with him. Like he's not, he, he's going to be a a supreme playmaker with his, his vision on the ice. He's going to have a killer shot. He'll be on the power play one. And if it was me, if I was T-Mac, I'd be having him in the OV kitchen on the other side and just letting them light one-timers. Like I, that's, 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 and that's what Buffalo did with Olofsson. Uh, But not so, so, and the thing is with the Kings, and I mentioned this with Turcotte and the organization they still so they acquired Arvidsson, legitimate top six winger, but the other three, the other three wingers in that in that grouping, you know, again Dustin Brown, I love him. I don't know that he's a top six winger on a playoff team. Similar Alex Ayafalo, although Kopitar loves playing with him, and listen, if Kopitar wants to play with him, you can play with him. But again, I don't know if the production quite is there for for a first line left wing and Adrian Kempe we're all waiting for the consistency we're all waiting for it so to me there are spots available in on the wing for Arthur Kaliev he is exactly what the Kings are looking for right now is an absolute pure sniper so if he does not make the team out of camp and he starts in the AHL which is perfectly fine I mean if he has a hot start he's going to be up because the Kings are going to need that they don't in my opinion the Kings the big club they don't have uh, enough in the top six on the wing and I think he could be a guy that gets there. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a situation where I think it's going to be Brown is going to going to get his uh, start at the top six. I, I've uh, just just because of who he is. I buy that. And, yeah. and then and then T Max going to make the young guys force him out of that position because you have Vladimir Thatchkev, which is yeah, just lighting up the KHL wild card. Yeah. Like yeah. he could not make the team, or he could be the first line left wing, depending on. Exactly what it is, you know, and then you have Kempe, can he get more consistent with an actual center? You know, Deneau is going to be there. There's no more excuses anymore. You're going to have Kopitar and Deneau. He's going to have an actual center to work with, you know, and then you're going to see the, a lot of these prospects, depending on how the Kings 
you know, they've typically taken a conservative approach, you know, will they do that again or will they put the best team on the ice come camp? Who knows? But you're absolutely right. Kaliev, with that shot, could play third line and then power play one and just power let him light it up. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and kind of along a similar discussion is Rasmus Kapari, uh, who I thought, who I also think is another guy that's going to have to move to the wing. And I think he was a guy that was really impressive to me this year uh, for Ontario. He is coming off a 1920 season where he had eight points in his rookie year, but he is loaded, loaded with skill. You watch him skate his hands. He is so smooth. His playmaking ability is, is off the charts now. And I think he has the skill set to be a center, but we, we see what's ahead of him, right? I think this, I, he's another one. I, I want to see him on the wing. The, the, now, kind of what I'd like to see, though, too, is as much as I want to see him on the wing, I wouldn't be shocked. Not all these guys can stay in the organization. There has to be something coming at some point. So perhaps they do want to keep some of these guys down the middle as trade for trade pieces down the, down the road. But I guess that's a separate conversation. But Kapari, though, you mentioned how good Kaliev was points per game. Kapari was right behind him. He was second in points per game. He had a big season last year. And I think that this is going to be uh, – he and he's coming off a big injury. He had a big injury at World Juniors a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think that uh, – and I wrote a piece on Kapari and Fagmo a couple of weeks ago for, for the site. And I think what's, what's not going to be talked about because there's so many prospects is T.J. Tynan was the AHL MVP last year, one of the best playmaking centers in the American Hockey League. The, the rain, did, he's not going to come over here and play third-line minutes. He's going to see top six minutes. So, again, what's interesting is you have all of these centers, right, in the organization, and they went out and signed one. They went out and signed TJ Tynan. They went out and signed, uh, and they traded for, for Braden Burke. Those are two centers that are probably going to play center, especially Tynan. So, I got to think that they are planning on moving a guy like Kapari to the wing if you're going to bring in the, the reigning AHL MVP who's a centerman. So, and I think that could be big for him. I think you get a playmaker like TJ Tynan uh, to, to play with, with a guy like Kapari if they decide to go that route. Now you're going to give Kapari a great shot at success. You're playing with a really good center in the league. Let's see how you do. Let's see how you perform. And again, the spots are open and the, the spots should be open in the top six wings for the Kings. Yeah. I think I, like I equate Kapari to a, like a, you know, like kind of like just a good beer. Like he, like he drafted in the first <laughs> round, you know, he's what well, I think it was 22nd overall or something like that, like in the twenties. And then we get all these shiny new things. Like you're like, yeah. Oh, you're going to, you're going to all these breweries. Like, dude, I want to like, like get a flight of this and a flight of that. And you're like, everybody's just like, man, like dude, all this, look at all this stuff. Like I'm drinking like 10 of these, like all these beers are great. And then you just like, you're with your boys and you're just, you know, you're sitting there and Hey, you want, you know, you want your favorite beer? Like, like, yeah, like that just tastes good. Like he's so, he's so good. And then he gets injured and then he doesn't have a great first year in Ontario because, because he, you know, he's a first year pro and it's like all that stuff goes to the the wayside because everybody wants Turcotte and Byfield to be the savior of the franchise, but he's still a first round pick and he's got elite talent. And I kind of think that the way they used him in Ontario last year with him playing center and Turcotte playing wing you know, you had the line of uh, Kupari, Turcotte, and Kaliev for yeah, uh, quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, and yeah. so I could see him pushing for 3C this year if they want to keep Byfield down to start the season, which because he's the only one that ha- can, can have the ELC slide. So I could see him being like challenging for the 3C and having somebody else play wing. And then 
when Byfield and Turcott come up, have him slide over, you know, cause he is a righty. We have a lot of lefty centers. He's a righty and he was decent in the dot. I thought he did. I thought his skill showed like in burst when he was up with the, the club last year. Yeah. And it shows that not only did he get rewarded because of, of the good season that he had, like he validated that rewardment with coming up and putting in quality minutes. Like, and you saw as the minutes went on, he played better and better as he got his feet underneath him. Yeah, and he he did have some he did have some uh, some good games with the Kings. I'm glad they did bring him up too. And you know we've talked about all these guys that are centers moving to wing. I feel like we're just blatantly disrespecting Samuel Fagamo, who is a natural winger and he's a very good goal scorer in his own right. So uh, if, if talk about hype last year, there might even be more hype this year for, for the Ontario Reign. You know, I think it, I I just think it's like you look at obviously, you know, rated the number one prospect pool by a lot of people, but it's like a good problem to have. Like there's yeah. a lot of prospect pools that you're like, man, they don't have any center depth or they don't have any, like they have maybe one or two guys, you know, and like, like, okay, we have all of these guys That's and like, <laughs> and, we, and it's like, okay, then somebody's going to hit for the center. And then we just move everybody else to wing or we trade them away or whatever, you know, like it's a, definitely a good problem to have. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as my, my uh, you know, most improved, guy last year I thought was Quinn Byfield and I think you know starting the season he was like negative 25 in the plus minus and you know you don't put too much into that because that's a kind of a team stat but finish negative nine so like you saw towards the end of the year his defensive acumen and his responsibility really kicked up he's always been a good puck pursuer uh, back checker and forecheck and everything like that even with his size like he doesn't really give up you saw that in the world juniors but like learning the center position, like they know he's playing center. There's yeah. no doubt that yeah, he's not one of the guys going, he's to not moving. Right. So they let him take the lumps. They let him take the lumps and like, Hey, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to think. Like, you know, this is your position, uh, you know, and his eventually you saw like flashes, but then the flashes became more like a strobe. Like they were consistently coming and uh, you know, he used his ability side down the zone and, you know, he got it, got his, cup of tea up there the big club just kind of yep. because i think maybe because the fans wanted it um you know and everything like that but you know he he did well the first game got four shots like in that second period and like you saw it there and i think i think you know you're looking at a lot of second round or second overall picks go straight to the, the nhl but like jack hughes and kako have struggled you know, and like Lafreniere struggled for part of last season. Stutzel was struggled for a little bit of last season, even though he did overall pretty good for his first year. But I think when Byfield is ready, he is a legit rookie of the year candidate. So well, like, I think, and I want to see them handle, however they, and I'm not saying my way is the right way, however it's handled, handle it right. So if he, if there's any question that he might not quite be ready for the NHL, then let him start in Ontario. And if he, in the first month or two, just dominates the league, great mission accomplished. You bring him up and he's, he, he, you ease him in because there's no, there's no need to, I don't think there's any need to rush him into the roster, but if he, if he obviously proves it in camp and he looks great, by all means, get him in there. What do you think about this analogy? So like uh, me being a Niners fan right now, you're looking at like Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance and like, when does the rookie take over and everything like that? And, you know, a lot of people say, as soon as you put the rookie in, you can't take him out. Like you, once you've given him that, that, that mindset to where, okay, last year he got his cup of tea. They let the ELC slide, you know, this year they have the opportunity to, to keep him in the AHL because of the new rules that they, they set up. So if they start him in the AHL and they tell him he's ready and they bring him up, like he's there, 
Like, I don't think they should put him back down. Like there's no going up and back down because he already had his cup of coffee. He already had his glory yeah. moment. He got to wear the Jersey. I think if he earns that out of camp, he should be there all year. If yep. he earns it midway through the year, you don't take him out because you, he has to. Like, I think it would has, take, yeah, I think it would take a lot. Like I think it would take a, a, a really, really prolonged stretch for if he's up with the, with the Kings for them to send him back down yeah, I mean, everybody's different, and I, I certainly don't know him per, on any level personally to know how, you know, he would handle something like that. But uh, I would imagine if they, if and when they bring him up, it's it's for good, and it would be, there might be a chance. Now, what could happen is like what Tampa did, I think, with, uh, I think they did it with Stamkos early in his career. Maybe they they put him in the press box for a couple games. I'm not saying that's what they should do, but that is going to be probably more likely than sending him back down to the AHL. I think. Yeah, man, we could talk hockey all night, but let's move on to defensemen. Uh, <laughs> uh, defense was pretty bad. Uh, gave up a ton of goals. The penalty kill was uh, bottom in the Pacific. I think they were 17th in the league. Uh, 80, I think it was 84%. Let's see here. I think it was 84% if I remember correctly. So, not great, uh, but I think what fans can kind of look at is like the big club got a lot of injuries. They pulled up a lot of guys, so like the 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 congruency with the I don't know if that's a real word. I think I just made it up, but I'm gonna go with it. They just uh, the, with like having the pairings together, like that's a big part of playing D. And you can speak on that together is trusting your partner, knowing where he's gonna be on the ice. Yep. If we talk about taking away ice and the spacing, that's a lot to do with knowing your partner's skill sets. And if they're cycling through different partners. Uh, you know, you have play playing the right and left side. And so, you know, you could speak to that, like how difficult is that for a defenseman and how difficult is that for a, a full core to, to kind of gel together? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of that. And, and I think that's why you like to see certain guys that, and you see certain pairings in, in the NHL or, or uh, frankly, almost any league that the best ones so often that they're playing with the same partner over and over. And I think you kind of saw it in Los Angeles this past year where the whole plan was to have, which was a little bizarre to me, to have Olimata play top pair minutes with Drew Doughty. Not too surprisingly, that didn't exactly pan out. But all of a sudden, here's Mikey Anderson comes in and, and they seem to click. They, they, they like playing with each other. Drew Doughty seemed to like playing with Mikey Anderson. And I think there's something to that. Um, I definitely think there's something to that to where if you're if you're constantly shifting, you're worried about, you know, tendencies and, and how, how this player does certain things and, and what he likes to do in certain situations, you're kind of always getting used to that, where if you don't have the reps with somebody where it's like second nature, you're kind of caught thinking. So you might be a half second slower doing something because you're still thinking about what your partner might be doing. Yeah. Huge communication. And when you're, when you're, when you're talking about that kind of stuff and, so that, that could be a huge, a huge thing going into next year is, is establishing the pairs and, and getting yeah. people to where they're having a consistent, because we brought in, you know, we bring in Edler, you still, we still have Mata, like the, the, the NHL team is pretty, you know, stuffed together right now to where, well, to where I think that, that we're not going to have, we're going to have a little bit of injury buffer to leave the guys on the rain, you know, have that consistency with their partners. And, so maybe there won't be as many, uh, you know, disappointments. I think the disappointment for me last year uh, for the most was Clegg and Holtz. And I think Clay was pretty much draft ac acumen. Um, you know, I thought he did a pretty good job with the club when they needed him for injuries. 
you know, they do require a lot of them playing the right and left side and not every defenseman can do that. Um, you know, and I think the only reason he's able to is with his skating. And, yeah. you know, I think it was just kind of like, like we said with these other prospects is like being a second round pick and having him be on the radar for so long. And like the Kings talking about, they need a puck moving defenseman. And like, he's exactly that. And then he got his chance with the club and then they send him back down. You know, I don't know if they thought he didn't play a good enough job or it was because the fact that he had ability to go back down. But for me, it was just kind of like that. It was almost like a bad taste. I don't, he didn't play bad. It was just kind of like a bad taste in my mouth. Not not for nothing with Clay. When he came up to the NHL, I was looking at it. He played uh, most of his minutes with Curtis McDermott. No disrespect to Curtis McDermott. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but, you know, he's not a guy that that if you have a, a young, a good skating defenseman and you're expecting him to do some things with the puck, you pair him with Curtis McDermott, and it's not surprising his his possession numbers. He was a, a 42% Corsi four at five on five with McDermott. Without McDermott, he was 58%. So there, there still could be something there. Uh, it's just and he's playing his offside because McDermott's it's a lefty about, too. It's about finding the like you mentioned before. It's about finding the pairing and the balance. So he he didn't have a bad season. 23 uh, 23 games, 12 points. Uh, you know, so amongst uh, you know our prospects. You're looking at he was second to to Mavari, you know, as far as points per game. So definitely had a good season. It was just kind of like I, I wanted I wanted more from him. And like we're like I said, kept talking about puck moving, puck moving. And he's like, yeah, like look, let's give this guy a shot because yeah. I don't know if Walker's it on the second power play. So maybe give him a chance to do that. It's not like we were gonna you know play off bound or anything last year. So I thought they could right. experiment a little right. bit more. Uh, the I other guy was kind of dis- yeah, go ahead. To see Clegg a bit more. No, I was gonna say I, I like that shot. I would like to see Clegg a little bit more with some offensive uh, roles last year with the Kings. You know, and he did take a shot. He did t- took a lot of shots in the uh, in the you know in the AHL. And I think I don't know if it's just uh, uh, an anomaly, but shot percentage of two point nine percent, which isn't the best. It was lowest on the on the team. So you know, is that because he is playing the power play and he's trying to like siphon a lot of shots off? Is he taking shots? Like, is he pressing because he's supposed to produce offense? Who knows? You know, but, uh, you know, the other guy that I was kind of like excited about just based on acumen and, and he started the season injured was Cole Holtz, you know, uh, big 10 player of the year, big 10 defenseman of the year. And he played three seasons in the NCAA. So you're playing against older guys, like the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the leap to the AHL, even though it's still a leap should be less than if you were playing junior and, so like I thought that he was going to be good, and then he's the type of guy that like his skill set is very much like sh- you know being a defensive minded guy, shutting people down, and then he was almost a point per game producer as a defenseman in the NCAA. So I was like, okay, there's a little bit of offense there. He's known for his defense. He got a little chip on his shoulder, and I just really never saw that from him on the games that I watched last year. And I just don't know if he just never got going off the injury or what happened there, but you know, it just really never happened for him on that side. Yeah, and and you know my for me, and it's going to be a little bit of a cop out because he he didn't spend a lot of time this past year uh, in Ontario, but he's been in Ontario prior. Um, what is is Toby Bjornfor? And for me, I when this kid when they first got him and he started to get his feet wet in the organization, I was like, this is a smooth skating defenseman. He's going to move the puck. I was a I was all about him. He's an android. Still, like, still, you're just like, he doesn't make mistakes. Right. I still, and I, and I still, exactly. And I still am. And I still am. But I was, you know, I sit back and I think it's like, okay. So they go and they get Olimata. 
Okay. They go this past year to get Alex Adler. Obviously Mikey Anderson is, is going to get top line minutes. And all we've been hearing about this off season is the Kings looking for a, you know, a left shot defenseman. So that's what Toby Bjornford is. So where do they see him? Where does he fit? And can I blame them if they think, you know what, maybe he's not a guy. I don't know. And, and the, the guys on the hockey royalty pod, uh, the, an episode, the last episode we're talking about, he may start in Ontario, which man, it, it's a little surprising to me. You know, I, I thought by now he would have established himself as, as an NHL left side defenseman and, not to say he won't be, but there's a legitimate shot because he, he doesn't have to go through waivers. He could start in Ontario. And I, you know, I'm, I, I'm just, I'd hate to see that, but they went out and they, they've still got Mata who I think, and I know nothing. I'm not an insider of any sort. I, I don't see how he starts. I think he's out of the organization. I think he's one of the guys that they, that they waive. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they still like him. I just think you, you, we, there's a log jam here of guys. Um, and a couple of these guys, you mentioned Clegg and another guy that we'll talk about is Moverari, who they need waivers to go down. So where are they starting? What is going to yeah. happen with, with these guys? And I know the guy, the other, our, our, our colleagues touched on that in the last couple of pods, but um, it's an interesting discussion. And, and it's going to be, I, I just, we talk about the best player should play and, and it doesn't matter who you are. I just don't know where, where a guy like Olimata fits. You've got that veteran guy now in Alex Adler on that left side. I don't know. I, I personally would rather see Bjornfor, Clegg, Moverari even um, get, get some of those minutes. Yeah, I think you're looking at, they brought in Adler because they needed uh, a bigger body. Losing McDermott, you get a bigger body. Uh, had double the block shots of anybody else on the connect team. And, uh, you know, if you look at the, uh, podcast, uh, that they, you know, they talked about it with the, the Vancouver athletic insider, you yeah. know, he's the type of guy that's like, okay, he's no longer as good a skater as he is anymore. He needs somebody that can skate with him in the neutral zone and everything like that, but put him on the penalty kill and he just, he's willing to sacrifice yep. his big body yep. and like he'll yep. push anybody out in front of the net. So I envision him as a third line guy yep. that's going to get PK minutes Me too. and He's going to do the same thing uh, for Drew Doughty as uh, Deneau's going to do for Kopitar is he's not going to have to play all like all the, Doughty all, those, all the draws, right? Yeah. 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 Doughty's going to want to, cause that's just the, who the guy is, but yeah. you don't have to, you know, and, and Roy is very good. And like the PK was surprisingly great. Like we were top 10 for most of the season. I think we finished eight or nine, but it was still like the five on five defense was what was bad, but our penalty kill which it was fantastic. So, you know, I think you're right. Olimata seems like the odd man out. They could start Bjornfoot, but I don't, I think he's earned the, he played the whole season up there. Like why do yep. that to him? So, I would agree. Exactly. Exactly. Which, right. What which development are you getting? I don't see the fit for Mata. We said AHL is for development. So where is he developing in the AHL that he hasn't already done? He's already played 20 minutes a night in the league. Why did go, why go down? You know, they I brought really in Ed, they brought in Edler, and I think last year, Olimata is so that the responsibility for these young defensemen weren't playing 25 minutes a night. And with injuries, they had to do that. But yeah. I think they brought an Edler so where like, okay, now the, these guys can tone down the minutes. They're not playing 22, 23 minutes a night, and they can focus on their development at this, at this level. I could see Edler also being, they, he's, they have said multiple times that his legs wane towards the end of the season. Yeah. If we're pushing for playoffs, 
then maybe you have Edler and Mata switching every every sure. other game sure. or every third game to get him some wheels. You know, you bring up or maybe Mata is like, okay, Clegg looks really good in camp. We're gonna wave, we're gonna wave Mata or try to tra- trade Mata for nothing. Who cares what the draft pick is? Let's get his salary off, or we'll keep half the salary or whatever. Yeah. But um, you know, I think you know, especially with the next guy we're talking about with Mervari, like you got to make that decision. Only Mata seems like the odd man out now. If obviously if they don't impress in camp and Mata is the guy and it is what it is, like the well, best thing should be on the ice. But I think you you're risk putting- losing these guys. You really they I, that's why that, that's and it's a it's a conundrum because Moverari, you know, he had a big year last year. He came in, started off overseas. They loaned him out overseas. Comes in, and he's over half a point per game. He was one of the top assists uh, uh, assist per game in the AHL, and he's really settled into which he's not known for his offense, right? He's he's probably more of a defensive defenseman, but. It's it's how much he thinks the game and Mark Unetti talked about it out of his draft about he is the smartest hockey IQ in the draft uh, for defensemen. And that means that that goes a long way, you know. So where does he fit? He's a guy who who I just I just (laughs) I keep saying it, but I just don't see the fit. I'd rather I'd rather a guy like like is Toby Bjorn for can he not do what Olimata can do now, you know now that we're more than talking about it and before i give my opinion there everybody needs to go to hockeyroyalty.com joe just put out an article the la kings jacob Morvari re-signed for a one-year contract this goes over how he did last year so go check that out yeah, but sure i that. think i think that um i think that you're right like what is the risk exposing them to waivers now everybody's like oh we shouldn't expose anybody everybody thought kale clay was gonna be taken by seattle so maybe he's gonna get picked up true right but yeah. my my thing is this like okay could could Mervari or Clegg improve at the AHL level for a full season? Sure. Yes. Right. Uh, would it be beneficial? We need a seventh defenseman. Would it be beneficial or more beneficial for them to rotate in with Edler or give Bjornfoot a night off every once in a while on a back-to-back? You know, have him play second-line minutes and and do that. Like, I would be fine if Bjornfoot played seventy games and then you give him some some rest days off you know, for his development and then give Mervari or Clegg some time and see what they can do, you know? And like, and you, you're really losing nothing by, by waving Mata. I know it sounds like we're we're beating the guy down, especially me. And it's, and again, I think he's fine for what he is, but the problem is they brought in Edler to be that kind of third pair D, which is where I think Mata should slot in. It's not the player. It's it's not the player. It's the situation. Situation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in, in your article, you, you know, you posted some quotes from Robo. I'll read them off here a little bit. It says, uh, you know, about uh, or from John uh, Robleski there. So yep. just you weren't sure how fast the, uh, the first year North American pro would fare coming in. Then a little bit uh, of an injury to start the season. So you really don't know what you have with him. And then you're sort of underwhelmed initially because he's not the most fluid skater. But then all of a sudden you notice he gets good beats. And then he's facilitating all kinds of offense and making such heady plays with the puck on a consistent basis. And that was what you said with the hockey IQ and, yep. and how you, and how you quantify hockey IQ is the consistency of making good plays. I think well, like, yeah. And if, hard- you, if you, if you, if, if you're not a fluid skater as a D man, yet you're consistently one of the top assist or point producers in the league. Cause you're making it a lot of times that first pass, you can make that first pass out 
that's that's the name of the game in, in the NHL. If you can get that first pass out and start your start your breakout, you're gone and start the transition. And that's what Mogherari brings to the table. No, he may not be able to fly up the up and down the ice, but if he can initiate and transition, that is huge. And I think it's telling a little bit. I think I mentioned this in the article too, how a guy who's not necessarily known for his offense, he was seeing power play time. I think he had three power plays this last year. So, yeah, I mean, that's not nothing. And I think that they see, obviously, Robleski was pretty impressed with him. And again, it's just how he thinks the game. And if if you can think the game at that level, you know, he's going to have a shot. So he had three power play assists. He had one shorthanded assist. And his shot percentage is 4.5. So amongst defensemen, let's see that were prospects. You're looking at Dursey at 6.7 and Cole Holtz at 5.9 and then Mervari. So definitely something that, you know, is, is going to help the team there. And like I said, I think the best player should play, but I think the defense is going to go to the situation. Yep. And, you know, and we don't listen. We, we're also assuming everybody's healthy, which as we know, anything can happen with an injury. So who knows? That, you know, that, I, that's going to change everything. Yeah. So Let's move on to the goaltending, uh, which uh, let's not sugarcoat it. It was pretty bad. So Falalta, second year as a pro, you expect him to make a little bit of a jump. Stats are pretty much the same to the first year. Uh, 3.43 goals against average uh, and an 8.89 save percentage. You know, they had the veteran in there with Berube, uh, who oddly enough was a king when he was younger, bounced yeah, around and came yeah. back home. He's always a Berube uh, guy. And, and, so, and so – it just, uh, you know, he came back home, but too bad we didn't have fans. And, you know, you would like to keep him around. But we have a, a swarm of goal team, uh, goaltending prospects that are all around, I think, all right around the same, uh, for lack of a better word, ability level. So, like, if you look at their stats, like, they all have, you know, we're talking about Jake Ingham and Lucas Parikh. And they have all right around the same ability level as Matt Villalta, same stats this last year. Uh, you know, all having a little bit of a down year. And so when is, where's the next wave of the goaltender coming in? Obviously you can sign a backup for Cal Peterson when quick decides to hang up the pads, but usually you want to build through the draft. You don't always want to have to like sign those guys. So, you know, the, uh, the rain signed Garrett Sparks, which, you know, he's won a Calder cup before for the vet role. And yep. now you're looking at a platoon of Sparks, Falalta, and uh, either Ingham or Parikh. Now, I wouldn't mind sending them one to the ECHL because that team name is Fire, the Swamp Rabbits over there. <laughs> Somebody send me a Swamp Rabbits jersey because I would love to have an Ingham Swamp Rabbits jersey. But, uh, you know, it's just it just seemed like he was out of place. He was making and giving up just bad goals, like one-on-one goals not seen through the traffic. I don't know what you saw. I'm like, I'm not an expert at goaling, but just like watching how quick battles through traffic. And then the, and then you as a fan can see if, if it's a bad goal, you know? So like speak to like what you thought about the ultimately him as a prospect and how he did last year. And where do you see the Reigns goaltending? You know, the rain goaltending just kind of in general is it's, it's, I look at a guy like, well, I'll take Villalta. Okay, I'll, I'm going to look at him first. It's just, you know, he, he he split a lot of time last year with with Berube. And I think we, we talked about it earlier with some of the forwards about how to jump to the next level. It, it, it's there with goalies, too, of, of how much faster the game moves. Now, are the shots harder, quote, unquote? Okay, maybe, but it's the releases. All of a sudden, you're seeing pro guys where their release is a lot faster than the level you were playing at before. Uh, the passing, the decisions that are made, everything is just happening 
a little bit faster. And I think that's, I think, and listen, I'm not a goalie coach. I was never a goalie. I'm not an expert at the position, but I, I kind of think that's why you, you hear so often how it can take goalies longer to develop is because there is a, there's a lot going on and with systems and with, again, just how quickly decisions are being made and the releases as you move up in levels that you just don't get at the lower levels of the minors or, or, you know, in junior or whatever, uh, you're even, and even, and even D1 and even college, um, as great as those leagues are, you get it to where everybody has just like an elite release and it's a big difference. So I think this is, this, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. The Kings goaltending situation and, and their prospect pool of all of their, uh, their prospects, that's obviously not their, their strong suit right now. Um, the hope, the good thing for them is they have a guy in Cal Peterson who appears to be ready to take the reins. So they don't have to necessarily rush that knock on wood because uh, Peterson should hopefully be there for a while. So uh, it's a big year for it, the, 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 it's there for somebody to take that next kind of, that next step, whether it's Walter or, or whoever the next guy is going to be, it's there for him. Um, but we'll see who, who ends up kind of taking it. Yeah, the rain right now and, you know, had 136 goals for last year and 149 goals against, which was worse in the division. And so I know goaltending is part of the defense, right? So you're looking at the defense struggled, which we said it did. You know, you're going to give up a lot of one-on-one -on -one chances and then you're not going to be able to make all those. You know, when people get get into the slot and they are able to, you yep. know, unleash a shot, you know, that's, that's why we harp that as an offense is like, that's where the good zones are. You know, you're, when your defense breaks down, you're getting better shots. And so, you know, maybe you can't put it all on Volalta, but there was a lot of bad goals. And so we'll sure. see it's, I think we'll sure. see it's wide open for him. Uh, you know, I was, I was kind of hoping for them to go goalie this year. I know Yanetti said that they might move back up in the first round for, uh, for a player, they didn't really say what well, all stat, but we assumed it was him. Yeah. Uh, but nobody wanted to play ball. So, you know, they they have drafted a goalie almost every year. Last year was at Hugo Markinen from Finland, uh, which I guess he played his first preseason game today. Had 25 saves, so shout out to him. Um, you know, but I think that's going to be where where it is. Because, I, you know, everybody's like, okay, we, we're fine at the goalie thing. We got quick in Peterson, but... I'm looking at I'm looking at it this way. It's like Peterson's going to get his next contract. We assume it's going to be four to six years, is what I would assume. So that puts him at like 31. Like we don't know how he's going to regress as he gets older, if he is going to regress. Sure. And he sure. and he's a small, uh, you know, uh, small. He's not six six like Ben Bishop or whatever. So yeah. like, is he going to be able to take 60 games a year, or are we going to yeah. need a one A and one B? And right now, you know, after Quick leaves, we don't have a one B. So. Is that going to be a bring in an event? You know, like I said, you want to build your team through the draft. Uh, that way you have cost-effective talent all, you know, all the time. So it'll, it, it'll depend on what, what they bring. Like you saw flashes from Jacob Ingham. You know, he went to Germany with yep. you know, a lot of the other prospects, got to play against some men over there. Lucas Preek with the World Juniors had that shutout, like 50-something like safe shutout. So it was just, uh, well, you know, they – they have all the chances there. Um, I don't know if both will play, if two of those guys will play for the ECHL Swamp Rabbits or if they're going to keep three goalies and just have one sit behind. Right. It'll be and, interesting. And I think, I think you know, they hopefully, like I said, hopefully, you know, they have Peterson and he's going to play at a strong enough level to where they can kind of buy their time and let these kids, let's see who of this, of this crop 
kind of develops into perhaps the next guy behind Peterson. Yeah, and well, shout out to Cal because, I mean, he was goalie of the tournament for the World Championships. Robin Leonard had did a Q&A on Twitter today and said, who's your top five goalies? He put out Cal Peterson as one of them. So I think a lot know, of the hockey world doesn't really see it because, like you said, game start at 10 o'clock on the East Coast. I am, that's for sure, yeah. Right? And yeah. so most of, most of Canada is like, yep. uh, who is this guy? You know, like, but people in the Pacific know. Yeah, and you know, I so when when Laner uh, tweeted that today, I was so I was poking around a bit, and I was on uh, uh, MoneyPuck.com. They do a lot of great stuff over there, and where Cal Peterson made his money was, ironically, what you talked about with Valalta, where you know when things break down, which they inevitably do, especially in the rain with such a young team, you're going to give up a lot of high danger chances. Cal Peterson was one of the best goalies in the NHL last year in high danger save percentage. So I think that speaks volumes to a Kings team that had their own struggles on the back end, but they had a guy like Cal Peterson who was um, who was right there to make a, a ton of saves in high danger situations. You don't want to keep putting him in those situations because you got a bigger problem at that point if that continues to happen. But that was a, a big reason why he had such a good year last year. Well, he got used to it because he was getting peppered on the rain. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, we went through the whole group there, you know, some good, some bad. The upcoming season is another hype season for me, um, you know. Yep. So uh, for all of you that don't get to watch the rain, get some AHL TV. It's not that expensive. Go 50-50 on a membership. You know, I'm not going to say that out loud, but do something <laughs> like that and watch watch some games there. You know, the broadcast is better. I remember the first year they were like, like you watch, it was like a single person doing the camera and the puck would go out of the frame and then the frame would follow the puck. And then it was like, it was yeah. like somebody had too many beers before, but then they got the, they got the quality up there. So get some AHL TV, you know, for your nights that the Kings aren't on and, and watch some of these prospects. Like the upcoming season to me, is going to be great because I think last year it would all, it almost felt like they would have had to force some prospects into the, the King team this year. If they make the team right out of the jump, they're going to earn it. Otherwise, they're going to play on the rain and having another year under the pro. I mean, even a, it wasn't even a full year, like 40 games. Like that's not even yeah. a lot of games. Yeah. Right. So yeah. this is going to be their first full year down there. You're going to have guys, you know, obviously a kill is going to get a late start because he's he had surgery. Yep. But for the and but you, for the most part, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to get their second full year down there and going to get a chance to gel. And then they're slowly going to trickle up into the main the main club there. And so it's going to be interesting on, on what they do, um, you know, second year with Robo, uh, instituting all those um, new philosophies and everything like that and how he, you know, how he views the team. I know they do a little bit with T-Mac on trying to have the same lingo and everything, but as you heard when, when Robo got hired, he wants to punish teams relentlessly with offense. And, like, you look at the teams that, that do that and are still good defensively, like Colorado – it's just like their teams are always up there in Corsi four. And so I think yep. that's going to be something to look out for, for the rain is how they have wave after wave. Cause like you said, they brought in a guy who was the MVP. You're going to have a lot of these guys, first round picks. You're going to have Sutter down there playing fourth line. He's still a captain right. that puts up quality minutes. Right. So they're going to have every opportunity to dominate. What is going to, what's your biggest, uh, if you were to pick one thing, like what would, what would be the number one thing you're most excited about for the rain next year? I want to see where guys fit. I want to start to see a little bit of clarity on where some guys fit. And the guys in the hockey royalty pod kind of alluded to this a bit too. Like uh, who is going to be center, who's going to be wing. That's part of it. But 
you know, who, who, it's it's not only that from a forward standpoint, but also on the back end, who is going to who is taking that next step on the back end to really push the big club? Because you know whether Mata sticks around or not, he's here for another year. Alex Adler's on a one year contract, so even even let, fast forward a year, is who, who is taking those roster spots in Los Angeles? Is Bjornford still there? Is he establishing a top four D man? Is Moverari going to be a top pair D-man in Ontario. Is he going to still just be a top four guy? Does he get a look in the NHL? So I want to start to see some clarity on where guys fit, both on the front end, on offense, and on and on the back end. Yeah, for me, it would be, I think, you look at, uh, you know, Kaliev obviously lit it up last year. Kupari got his cup of tea. I really want to see the confidence grow for Alex Turcotte. And yeah, I thought he had that yeah. after the gold medal. He looked like he was playing his best hockey that I've seen him play. I watched a, a decent amount of the Wisconsin games when they had it on the Big Ten Network. I go to a bar or whatever and watch it. So it was just, I want to see him, one, stay healthy. Two, he's going to play in the first line if he starts the year in Ontario. Yeah. Whether that's center or wing, I think it's going to be wing because I think that's where they see him moving forward. But I, I want to see him dominate and then earn his cup of tea. Get rewarded for... Yeah. get rewarded for playing really well like and not just because he's the number five overall pick build that confidence and then get some games with la whether it's six games seven games you know his elc has already started so it doesn't matter so like right having earned that I, spot and get rewarded i'm kind of excited to see and i know it's so much about the prospects but i mentioned tj tina before you brought in a guy who's a legitimate hl producer so where does he slot in is he if byfield makes the team maybe Tynan's first line center i don't know maybe he's second line center but I did a piece on, you know, don't forget about Samuel Fagamo and Rasmus Kapari because everybody's talking about Turcotte and Velarde and uh, Kaliev and Byfield, and rightfully so. But don't forget these two, especially if, and I think it's very possible that Kapari starts the year on the wing and you put uh, the a guy like Tynan in between Fagamo and Kapari, that could be an absolutely one of the more exciting lines in the AHL for me with the amount of skill on that line so i want to see how they utilize these two kind of i'll call them ahl veteran centers in tynan and braden burke and how they where they slot them are they one two probably depends on byfield are they two three and what wingers are they putting around them where do some of these guys fit and that's that's what's going to be kind of interesting to see it's it's a fun fun there's so many guys there's so many guys on both LA and Ontario it's like they don't have spots for all these guys so it's it's going to be an interesting couple of months here to see how it all shakes out you know and it's it's really going to be like you said it's a puzzle piece because if uh, a lot of people don't know there's going to be 20 I think six we're capped at contracts right now 50 out of 50 there's gonna be 26 UFA slash RFAs next year 26 so like a lot of people are gonna have to earn yeah their next contract I mean a lot of the prospects will have a better chance because they want to see them develop but you know, you, you would assume some of the guys, you know, maybe like Lazard and, and Edler and all those guys obviously, you know, are a little bit older in different situations, but you know, when those prospects push, you know, I have, I have beer goggles for, for Fagamo because like after that world juniors, I was like, dude, he's coming for Brown's first line spot. He's coming okay. in. And like, I was just ready for him. Cause I, his shot, you know, like would be yeah. perfect oh, yeah. on yeah. that line. Like I was just kind of thinking like, you know, you're thinking like in the, you know, the, the NHL, kind of video game mindset you're like okay well we got a you know we got a guy that's gonna really to scrap we got a guy that's a power forward you know two-way center and kopitar like we need a shooter like we need a young shooter like 
you know, oh, like Kaliev ain't ready, but Fagamo, like after the, you know, that, like he's ready to go. Like, you know, so I kind of had beer goggles and everything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him some looks either. Like his ELC's already started. Like, why not? And you know, what's you know? interesting with Fagamo is, is he's shoot first, but he, I wouldn't, I don't know that his shot is like Kaliev level elite, but he's a, he's at a mindset of shoot first and he's probably a better skater and he, he is smart enough to get himself in, so, in those situations, which is why I would love to see him play a full season with the creativity of Erasmus Kapari and a playmaker like Tynan. I think it would be, I think he could bring the best out of Kapari or uh, of Fagamo. But yeah, he's somebody that, again, I, I keep saying this, I think there are top six winger spots open in Los Angeles sooner rather than later because I know we all keep waiting on Kempe at some point it, it's, it's, you know, crap or get off the pot. I, I I've talked about, I follow and Brown, no disrespect. I just, I think there are spots there to be taken. If somebody, if somebody shows it and Fagum was a guy that can do it. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see how that works out. And it's, and I think, you know, he's kind of uh, like, I don't think you can really compare anybody's shots to Kaliev. I think, you know, I, I put my stamp on it now. He's probably got a top one to two percent shot in the NHL if he started next year. So, yes, like yes. he's that kind of prolific shooter. But you know, the guy like we need more shoot first guys. Yes, like Kopitar doesn't use his shot enough because he has to rely. He has to play defense. You know, like we need some shoot first guys that aren't, uh, you know, afraid to put the puck on the net when it's when it's warranted. Like Victor Arvidsson will next year. So we'll see how that works out. Hopefully they can gel. Hopefully the power play is the biggest improvement next year when they find their roles and see how yes. they can find the the gaps there. Cause I know a couple games, they went five forwards, like they didn't even put a defenseman out there. So we'll see what Robo is going to cook up and see if that, that, that stuff can get going. Uh, well, this podcast was supposed to be 20 minutes, but just like having a beer with a good friend, <laughs> it never ends at one. So Joe and I just kept going, which is going to be good. So Joe and I are going to be doing this. Uh, you know, we're going to be giving this content out rain all year. So you guys can wet your whistle on this kind of stuff. Joe, it was a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. I know it's uh, 1040 on the, on the East coast. So you probably need your nightcap and some Z's <laughs> man. So uh, uh, we'll talk to you later. And uh, again, hockeyroyalty.com uh, for all the, the articles and everything like that. Hockey underscore royalty or at hockey underscore royalty for all the Twitter following and then follow, we're on all the major platforms for, for the podcast, man. But it was a pleasure talking to you. Get you some good it. Z's and uh, we'll get you guys another episode soon. Catch Have you later. One. See ya.